I'm Cy Musiker. I'm Adriana Kelly, and this is Curtain Call, separating the wheat from the chaff and the arts from Reno to Davis. With an extra side of cool stuff to do in the foothills. So glad you're back, Adriana. You're good company. Glad to be back. And this month, Cy and I are previewing the best county fair anywhere, listening to cowboy tunes and looking for laughs in Sacramento. But first, some classic blues from a young phenom. We don't really play the blues much on this show. A lot of the music I hear feels very tired. But Christone Kingfish Ingram, who is just 23 or 24, brings a fresh authenticity to electric blues on classics and on new songs like this one called 662, named for the area code in Mississippi where Ingram grew up. Ingram has earned nine blues music awards, including Best Guitarist, and he should be catnip for our listeners Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram, plays the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley tomorrow night, August 5th. Also on Saturday, Sourdough Slim. I went down to the corner just to meet my gal. I found her standing on the sidewalk talking to my pal. I strolled back to the barroom to get another drink of gin. The next thing I knew I was reeling. Rocking and drunk again I kept drinking gin and liquor Till way up in the night When my pal walked into the barroom We had an awful fight I reached down for my... Sourdough Slim was born in Hollywood and spent summers on a family cattle ranch in the Sierra foothills. Now he sort of combines those histories by acting and singing the part of a cowboy on stage with the help of musical saw player and guitarist Robert Armstrong. Sourdough Slim lives up in paradise now, and we called him a few days ago to talk about some upcoming shows. Cy asked Slim how much cowboying he really did growing up. (laughs) Not much, really. Mostly farm chores, you know, but it was a 700-acre working cow ranch. And, in what town? And, uh, it was up in Bangor, outside of Oroville. And, uh, yeah, all of that was a big influence on me. Yeah, and I grew up with singing cowboys on television. Uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, Gene Autry movies, uh, black and white, Saturday mornings, and Roy Rogers, of course. Who, who's your yeah. biggest influence? Well, I like both, you know, Gene Autry and, and Roy Rogers. Hey, great. They're great. And Gene Autry was a big influence. I think that the guy that was the biggest influence as far as the singing cowboys was Tex Ritter. I love that guy. And, and what about Tex's style had an effect on you? His whole demeanor and the way he approached the songs. He had a real character voice. You know, he had that real distinct voice. He's the guy for me. And you've become known for your yodeling. What is it about yodeling that connects with cowboys? Uh, does it make cow herding easier? Uh, why are cowboys yodelers? Well, there's arguments back and forth how all that started, but really the yodeling is, is more of a, a, a musical thing. I don't know whether, you know, 
cowboys out on the range yodel or not. They certainly called the cattle, you know, with different calls. And the yodeling became popular because Jimmy Rogers in the late 30s was a huge inspiration on just about every singing cowboy. Jimmy Rogers yodeled, and they all followed suit. I like to yodel, it's benefit some song. It improves the appetite and expands the lungs. But of all its many wonders, I think its biggest boom is how it works so very well at clearing out the room. I was uh, watching a performance online, and you you said that you were doing hobo-style yodeling. I was wondering, what's the difference between cowboy yodeling and hobo-style? Okay, well, uh, cowboy yodeling would be... Whereas a hobo yodel would be... That's the difference right there. Where does that come from? The traditional cowboy music... And the hobo style music came out kind of in the late 20s, and they were popular. There was a, a fellow by the name of Global Reeves, the Texas drifter, and he came up with this yodeling style. At least he claims that he invented it. And uh, so that hobo style, I need a little In modern America, where do you think, where everyone is listening to pop music and hip hop, how do you think that yodeling and cowboy music still fits in? Well, it fits in with the people that the, the small niche of people that are still interested in that part of our culture as <laughs> the baby boomers and the generation before that, as they fade out, there's less and less people that have interest in it. But, uh, you know, it's still going. That's Sourdough Slim. He and sidekick Robert Armstrong play a show tomorrow, Saturday, August 5th at the side door in Sacramento. And they're at the Draft Horse Classic at the fairgrounds in Grass Valley, September 21st through the 24th. And if you like yodeling, check out Nick's shoulders. That's some hip, woke yodeling by a younger generation. Well, I love you. The closest gig to us for Nick Shoulders, unfortunately, is at the Pickathon this weekend in Happy Valley, Oregon. Yeah, but he might be worth a trip. What is it about the upcoming Nevada County Fair that makes it the best in the land? We vote for the beautiful setting, the A-class rides, which are already arriving at the fairgrounds, the music, the pampered cows, sheep, goats, and chickens, and the pride of their owners. Also, corn dogs. If you don't mind waiting an hour. Yeah, and stuffed potatoes and soft serve on Treat Street. Sai sat down with Fairground CEO Andrew Trigg and Deputy Manager Katie Beelan to talk about this year's theme, Country Roots and Cowboy Boots. The theme of Country Roots and Cowboy Boots really just takes us back to our roots of the fair and about agriculture. And you'll find this year that we've got a large number of animal exhibitors from our youth throughout the county from FFA and from 4-H. And uh, again, just going back to the roots of agriculture, which is what the the fairgrounds is really founded on. And then the country boots side of it is kind of the more fun side of it, which is 
all about our concert on Wednesday evening with Tyler Rich. Yeah, we spend our weekdays dirt on our hands, weekends with toes in the sand, shooting whiskey on a Friday night, Saturday we sip margaritas in the daylight, Sunday with the service. I think um, our county fair is really unique in the way that we have a lot of our community that helps run our fair, where if you, you know, head down the hill, it's more of a commercial fair where you see a lot of vendors with these big crazy lights and here we can say that we keep it in Nevada County and so keeping it country keeping it with our roots that's our tradition and we wanted to keep that alive and there's so much tradition in this fair county fairs are built around these uh, competitions the best tomatoes the best bulbs and tubers uh, the most unusual roots uh, and sculpture and there's quilting and there's china painting and floral arrangements and pies so uh, what do these contests tell us about the good people of nevada county you know it's funny the pandemic hit and a lot of people kind of found themselves crafting again and so we are now building our exhibit program back up and this year there are so many people that you would never know had these hidden talents. We'll have over 6,000 exhibits here this year that people can see in the different buildings. We're finally getting back to numbers uh, that we used to see you know five and ten years ago so it's really exciting to see the community coming forward to um, show off their their wares with everybody and hope for that first place ribbon. And tell us about Treat Street this year. Uh, My wife lives for the chance to have a corn dog from Job's Daughters. You know, there's not really anything too different. Uh, last year we had the Bear River Football Boosters um, bring in some fresh fruit and um, aquafrescas. They're going to be back again this year. Corn dogs will be here. Um, I live for the Frosties on the end. You know, that's my go-to, especially when it's a hot day. Right. Um, but all of them are, you know, here sprucing up their booths, and they're excited to see the community back out. You both grew up here and worked at the fair and have attended it for years and years and years. So why does it matter so much to people? I think it matters to people. I mean, like like you said, I grew up here. Uh, my mom worked at the fair when I was little. I was in the back of the office in a playpen. I raised animals, so I've lived a little bit of the fair. And um, it's just, it's part of who we are in Nevada County. And every year to come back and see your whole county coming together and just this great event that um, the staff for years have put on and it's incredible to be on the other side of it because a lot of people don't realize how many people it takes to put on the fair and it takes the community it's a great feeling it's hard to explain but it's that like you're going to Disneyland feeling but it's right in our backyard Disneyland that you make yourself exactly the fairgrounds is uh, what I can remember you know for every summer as long as I think back and as mentioned you know I started working here 25 years ago as a summer job picking up trash and then worked in the office did this did that I was on the board for the last 10 years and then uh, recently appointed as the CEO at the beginning of the year which is really exciting because we as Katie said you know we kind of grew up here some of our team uh, jokes about the whole catching the fair bug that once you work here once you come here um, as an employee you catch the fair bug and it's hard to to get that off of you and you know this becomes your summer so it's just a really great place to be people are excited people are happy when they come here and we love showing off the the great place your predecessor andrew uh dale chase held the ceo job for just nine months 
and you and the rest of the board made the choice uh, for him to go uh, rather abruptly and then for you to take the job. And you had been a spokesperson for the sheriff's office and that had been on the board for many, many years and uh, was the chair of the board as well. So now, how are things different or better here at the fairgrounds? One thing I'll point out, I went through the hiring process just like the other 20 candidates did to make sure that we handled the job hiring essentially above board. We didn't, you know, there was no extra points given or anything, so to speak. But I think what you'll find is that I'm connected to the fair. I have the background of the fair. I understand the fair. Yeah, as a board member, I knew quite a bit, but I certainly didn't know, you know, everything. I'm learning so much every single day in this new role. But I think what I personally found different is somebody who knows the fair and somebody who understands what the fair means to the community is really, really important. This is more than just a five-day fair. This is a business that we're running here with all of the other festivals, with all of the other interim rentals, with the weekend weddings or whatever it happens to be. But with the long hours, the you know the days that are back to back to back, you really have to love this place. And you would find that any team member that you spoke with would have that exact same passion. So what did Dale Chase do wrong? How did he signify that he didn't have that connection? That's kind of a tough question. I, I don't know that I would say he did anything wrong per se. I think what Katie and I are really focusing on as the management team of the fairgrounds is connecting the community with the fairgrounds. We're blessed that we get to come here every single day as our job, and what we're trying to do is reconnect the fairgrounds and let you know that it's your fairgrounds as well. We just are kind of the stewards of it. And uh, that's what's really exciting to us, is just making sure that we, um, heaven forbid, we have a fire and we need an evacuation point, that our job is to keep this place resilient and ready for the community. And so it's just in our blood. It's who we are. So we connect with it very well, and we're reconnecting it with the community. Fairground CEO Andrew Trigg and Deputy Manager Katie Beelan. I was lucky enough to catch Johnny Cash at the Nevada County Fairgrounds in 1993, and he opened the show saying, I will wear black until poverty and prejudice are eliminated. <laughs> Very good imitation. This year, it's Yuba City-born Tyler Rich performing pop country, and seeing country music at the fair feels just right. Yeah, but really, Adriana and I both think those kids are the best part of the fair. And Cy met up with FFA member Colton Cook, a 16-year-old entering his junior year at Bear River High School. And with Colton's two Boer goats, Fridge, destined for the family freezer, and Stu, who should be shown at the fair. Yeah, the two goats butted each other and us as Colton showed me how he holds Stu, so the judges will give him the best possible score. When we set him up, right... We want him to be able to push in and brace against me nicely. And we want nice butt muscles and a nice flat back. Pushing in. Pushing in means you kind of shoved his head up against your thigh. Exactly. And what are the judges looking for then when when they see that? (laughs) So really what they want to see is them stretched out and showing their muscles but you don't want them over-muscled or under-muscled or too fatty. It's kind of an art to getting yeah. it just right, isn't it? It is. And part of it is what you feed them and how you exercise them, but part of it is just genetics and good luck. Absolutely. How much in control are you this year? Um, so much better than last year, honestly, because we got a good reputable breeder this year. Really, the feed's not changing a whole lot. 
they definitely aren't fans of the cotton seeds, but feeds big big part of it because that affects taste as well. I love how they keep jumping on each other. What is it that's so special about doing this? I mean, it's a lot of work. What's the appeal? Um, for me, goats are just fun to deal with, and they're so much nicer than lambs. Pigs are fun, they're cute, but like a lot more effort. Goats are just easy, and I feel like everybody could probably get into it. Um, as far as me, I would like to be a ranch manager someday. He's nibbling on my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and there is this weird thing that goes on. You've given these two goats names, mm -hmm. but they're not pets. They're going to end up in the butcher block. How do you manage that in your head? It just makes it a lot more fun. You can just name him Fridge because you know he's going in the fridge, and it kind of keeps it at the back of your mind. Stew because he's going to end up in a stew probably. Do you, I mean, you don't feel bad for them? Not necessarily because of the fact that I know that somebody else is going to enjoy the hard work that I put in. They're raised for meat. Yeah, they're raised for meat, right. That's, yeah. that's their purpose. You're yeah. definitely sad about it at the end because you put that amount of effort and hard work into it, but it all pays off. And how do you feel about uh, goat stew? I guess you've learned to like it. It's not a common dish for uh, American families. It's good. I like it in a good pozole or taco. And how much did you uh, make for your goat last year? I think 23 a pound, and he was like 68. 23 a pound is pretty pricey meat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, these, these animals, even when they're not the best in show, mm -hmm. they bring a pretty high price from people who are want to support FFA. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. because it's really just about making them aware how much hard work we put into them and how much we actually like love these animals. If you want to buy Colton Cook's goat stew, the animal auction is Sunday morning at the fairgrounds. That will sell out. The Nevada County Fair starts Wednesday, August 9th and runs through Sunday, August 12th. Mix down-tempo trip-hop, belly dancing, electronic loops, and concepts from Joseph Campbell, and you'll find the headspace that is Beats Antique. With just three members, a percussionist, a multi-instrumentalist and a dancer, the band loops samples to create a lush musical soundscape that sounds like Bollywood and Istanbul by way of an Oakland warehouse rave. If you like to dress up and go dancing with the cool kids, catch Beats Antique at Sacramento's Ace of Spades, August 9th, the Crystal Bay Casino by Lake Tahoe, August 10th, and then they're making their weird magic at the Center for the Arts, August 11th and 12th. And a quick mention of Sunny Sweeney, who I just love. She makes really twangy Texas roadhouse music with a big dose of steel guitar. Sonny Sweeney plays the Tackle Box Bar and Grill, which must have great ambience, in Chico, and that's on August 12th, and then she's at Harlow's in Sacramento, August 13th. There's a saying in theater, tragedy is easy, comedy is hard. But the B Street Theater in Sacramento is up to the challenge. 
The company is producing its fourth new comedy festival, staged readings of four new plays picked from 400 submissions. And here's a taste of last year's winner, Insertion, by Sarah Graustra, now playing at B Street. It's about an apprentice with a difficult boss at a publishing house. I mean, if you think about it, the title metaphor doesn't make any sense. The part where Rickett describes the grass doesn't fit into the rest of the narrative at all. I think you just came up with a good title and had to work it into the book somehow. (laughs) Very good. Very good, Miss Poole. Oh, I knew there was more to you than what meets the eye. As they say, the brightest gifts oft arrive in the plainest packages. This year, the final four include the play What's in Store, a Swedish dramedy by Kate Brennan. It's about a woman who decides to live in what amounts to a giant furniture store. Think Ikea, because she can't find an apartment. Well, who hasn't wanted to move into an Ikea? All the decisions are made for you. Everything is clean. Things aren't all messy and out. All the fixtures seem like they're going to function. Playwright Kate Brennan joined us by Zoom from her home in York, Pennsylvania. Maybe the germination of the idea came from when I was looking for an apartment in New York like a decade ago. I mean, if you look for a place to live anywhere, it's probably miserable. But New York has got to be the worst. It's just overwhelming. And so I think sometime during that process, I thought, what if I just stayed in the local furniture store forever? And I think that's where it started. Tell us about writing comedy. How do you tell a story about people who seem real and then convince the audience to laugh at them and with them? Well, I I think at its core, all comedy is just true. You know, we laugh not because something is funny externally to us, because, because we recognize ourselves in the comedy. We recognize the impulse to just give up and move into a furniture store. We recognize, you know, wanting to adopt all of the dogs at the shelter. And I think really that's what it is, is that comedy is humanity. It's it's just a recognizing of ourselves and and giving us permission to laugh at all of our behaviors and then by extension laugh at at the world we're living in a little bit. Mm. So is comedy as important as tragedy or more important? I think we've had enough tragedy, Cy. I think it's time for some comedy. The world is tragic, right? But I feel like over the past few years, it has uh, weighed heavily on the tragedy side. And so I feel like now more than ever, we need more comedy in our lives. There's this idea that comedy isn't serious, maybe. I think actually comedy has the opportunity to say the most subversive of things, to get you thinking about topics in a new way that maybe you wouldn't have entertained before because you're laughing, because you're open, because you are communing in that space with other people. And so really, I think comedy's sneaky. They are just a little bit more palatable because they're covered with icing. Kate Brennan's play and three others were picked for stage readings at the B Street Comedy Festival by Lindsay Birch and her staff. Birch is artistic director for B Street Theater, and we asked her during a Zoom call how she picks a funny play. You know, it's not an exact science, of course. There are plays that are certainly we see performed that are very funny when done and maybe on the page or not. When you're reading it, you're not laughing out loud. But when we're looking for scripts for the new comedies festival, we really are looking for plays that as you're reading it, you're either laughing at the jokes or if it's maybe a physical comedy, 
the potential. I think part of it is, you know, we produce a lot of comedies at B Street and this is our fourth new comedies festival. And I think we've started to learn how to really find the potential in these scripts. We've just heard from Kate Brennan with her story about finding a home in a furniture store. Tell us about the other three plays. So uh, we have The Newlywed Game by Alyssa Haddad Chin. Uh, So that's going to be a play about uh, a young mixed race couple who wants to get married and they go to Thanksgiving to meet with both of their collective parents and the parents each bring a new date for the members of the couple. It sounds like a horror story. Yeah, but it's it's very funny uh, and very sweet. Then we have Below Zero by Anna Watts, which is a story about two women in the frosty woods of Minnesota uh, who both dated the same man. Uh, One of them is currently dating him and the other is the ex, and they go off on an adventure to try to find him because he is missing. And then we finally have Suitor Princess Thief uh, by Ashley Quatch, which is about about a princess who lives uh, high trapped away in a tower because she has a curse that whenever she kisses a suitor, he dies. And so uh, she can therefore not find love. Why does the world need new comedies? I mean, Shakespeare and Moliere wrote a ton of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a great question for the American theater in general, which is why does the American theater need new plays? And, you know, I heard Stephen Dietz, who's a fantastic playwright, give a keynote speech in which he said, we didn't know that we needed Death of a Salesman until it was written, or we didn't know that we needed Noises Off until someone wrote it. Uh, So people have to keep writing and speaking to the current experience of humanity and society in general. And comedies have always been important. Uh, I think they have an equally uh, as important place as dramas in um, the theater canon, because when people laugh together as an audience, uh, there's a shared experience that that brings them closer. And I think it's no secret that collectively what we've experienced in the past three years has been pretty difficult. So I think the opportunity to laugh with friends and then to laugh with strangers is really important. This is a really terrifying time for American repertory theater. Around the country, theater companies are shutting down or they're cutting the the number of shows they do. At B Street, you had to uh, make layoffs during the COVID pandemic, I believe. So how are you managing? It's a difficult time, of course. It's difficult just to see the fellow people in our industry struggling. B Street is actually doing surprisingly better than I, I, I expected in this time. You know, I know it's hard to get audiences reengaged. We still feel a lot of community support from both the corporate level and the individual level. And, you know, the audiences slowly have started to rebound and, and to reach kind of 2019 levels, but they're getting there and some shows are actually exceeding that. And we we do a lot of comedies at B Street. People want to laugh right now. Yeah, I read an article yesterday saying, you know, there's so much well-executed drama that's available for screening. So people are not necessarily looking for a comedy, but looking for something kind of either that they it's unique or highly theatrical. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that we do well at B Street. You know, we're hanging in there and we hope we can weather the storm. But things like the new comedies festival that other theaters might cut in a time that's lean, I feel are even more important because they're engaging the audience. And the only way that 
any of us are going to survive is through the engagement of our audience and community. And that's what's going to get them to continue to come back and to come back in the numbers that we were seeing before the pandemic. And we asked playwright Kay Brennan, who we talked to earlier, what she would do if she won this final round of the B Street Comedy Festival and got a full production at B Street next season. Well, I'm going to Disney World. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would be thrilled. What what an honor to be considered funny at a time when, you know, it feels like you could cry every day. So here's the dates. Last year's comedy festival winner, Insertion, continues its run at B Street at the Sophia in Sacramento through August 13th. And then the four new plays get staged readings August 17th through the 20th. I wish we had more time, but briefly... The Sierra Stages production of Guys and Dolls is just fabulous, with killer performances by the leads. Please go see it. Just two performances left tonight, Friday, August 4th, and tomorrow, August 5th, at the Nevada Theater. Hey, don't miss a single episode of our show, or just relive this awesome experience. So awesome. <laughs> by clicking the Curtain Call podcast at kvmr.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Cy Musiker. I'm Adriana Kelly. And And this this is Curtain Call, Call, coming coming to you from from KVMR-FM, Nevada Nevada City. City.